Friday, June 28th at Hungry Brain in Chicago. It's our Pride Show and podcast recording. Music, drag, interview, comedy, panel, and Q&A. Sponsored by Rowan Tree Counseling. Get your tickets at wildandsublime.com or go to links in the show notes. You know, over time, when you are consistently saying no to your partner, it really does erode the relationship. And there's going to be a cost. If they're going to leave, then let them leave. They didn't like you that much anyway. I think a lot of the erotic power comes from being witnessed by your partner and mm. being able to share that and say, like, hey, I don't know if I even want to do this, but I've been thinking about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Wild and Sublime, a sexy spin on infotainment, no matter your preferences, orientation, or relationship style. Based on the popular live Chicago show, each week I'll chat about sex and relationships with citizens from the world of sex positivity. You'll hear meaningful conversation, dialogues that go deeper, and information that can help you become more free in your sexual expression. I'm sex educator Karen Yates. Today we talk about chatting, texting, nonverbal cues, and more in our panel conversation on communication, plus audience Q&As, and my sermon on the pubic mound on anxiety. Keep listening. The main sponsor of this episode is Uberlube. If you've been listening to the pod for a while, you know I've said Uberlube is fantastic for sex, sport, and style. And it is. And speaking of style, did you know Uberlube's great for your tats? Yes, indeed. Apply a little of this medical-grade silicone lubricant on your skin to make your tattoo color really pop. And won't that be nice next time you're taking off your clothes with that special someone? Go to uberlube.com and enter code WILD, all caps, W-I-L-D, at checkout for 10% off. Free shipping in the U.S. Communication. At a certain point, it'll probably break down, we being human and all. But as things start going off the rails, it's very useful to know good techniques that hopefully will keep dialogues moving forward and your sexy needs being met. Do we really know what's going on with someone else? Or more importantly, do we know how to move our inner communications outward so that they're heard and potentially understood? I'll be getting into that later with my sermon. This recording is from our May 2019 show at Constellation in Chicago. You'll hear kinkster and coach Peter, a.k.a. Makes Things Happen, sex and intimacy coach Tazima Paris, and psychotherapist Brandon Hunter Hayden. And for context, you'll hear several references to role-playing. Those segments happened earlier in the show, most notably one about consent when making out in the backseat of an Uber. Enjoy. One thing I like doing on the show is really making sure folks have something they can use. So, like, one thing I'm a big fan of is saying to a partner or having a partner say to me, instead of, does this feel good, is what can I do to please you more? Or what will give you more pleasure? Because that kind of creates an open-ended question so someone can come back to themselves, right, and answer. Peter, what would you suggest in terms of in the moment? One of my favorite questions to use is how do you want to feel when we're done? It's kind of the concept of begin with the end in mind. Asking plain questions, it may not be sexy, 
at least why you're asking the question, but if you can actually get your partner or partners to talk to you either beforehand or even during and say, I like this, a little more to the left, right here, right now, once again, it doesn't sound sexy, but when your partner knows that you're listening, that's going to get a really great reaction from them more mm, than anything else. Right, knowing that. Tazima. I really like how you were alluding to having a conversation prior to the actual sex act. That does wonders. If you can make a few agreements ahead of time, these are the things that I want. I want to do this. This is my yes, no, maybe. So even categorizing those pieces prior to having the sex that you're going to have and maybe even creating boundaries. I want to do this, but I don't want to do any of that today because I have a cramp or whatever. And then while you're in the situation, yes, you can ask questions, especially if you know your partner, especially if you have a list out. But if you don't know what you want to do next, for example, and you want to try something new, don't ask really complex questions. (laughs) Don't do that. You'll take both of you out of the mood. But if you keep it simple, like, do you want more of this Would you like less of that? Do you want um, more nipples? Do you want more whatever? You can ask something specific and short so that you can both stay as engaged as possible. Also, instead of saying what not to do, tell them what to do. So less is not a not. Less pressure, for example, or more to the left. Right. And one thing that I learned, which is really awesome, is you don't even have to be verbal about it. You can grab your partner's forearm and demonstrate like this, you know, and do whatever pressure, like scratchy, whatever you would like. And that gives instant feedback. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep, definitely. But stay on the side of making requests rather than telling them not to do unless you need them to stop immediately. And that's completely understandable. I wanted to go back to your role play scenario in the Uber. Uh, It really stressed me out because I remember those days. (laughs) You know, hey, I'm going to get lucky. You start the things going. The cab back in the day was the cab. There was an Uber back then. And, And then things didn't really go well because there was a level of miscommunication. Now, my wiser self would have had some type of conversation even before taking the person home. And it could be something like, hey, I'd like to see you naked. <laughs> it might have been a little sexier than that when I'm saying it. But, hey, I'd like to see I'd like to take you home. And even in the Uber saying something like, hey, you know, you mind if I unbutton this button? Asking, but giving the person the empowerment to say yes or no. And if they say no, that's fine. At least I'm now guided how far I can go in the Uber. Mm. Brandon, what do you have to say? I love this because we're covering great moments in time, which is before, during, and after. And I think that is so powerful to do that. There's actually a really cool website that you can visit that will help you do this. It's called mojoupgrade.com. It's free. Mojoupgrade? Mojoupgrade.com. And it's really fun because you can input all of your yes, no, maybes, or wants, willings, won'ts. Oh, like a checklist. In their specific acts. Oh, wow. Right? So you can fill all that out. And then you can share the link after you complete it. You share the link I've heard of this. I've heard with of your this. partner. Yes, you want to actually have the, con- then, have the conversation. Yes. Isn't that so 21st century? <laughs> Just zip. 
The robots know everything. <laughs> the robots do. Yeah. That is awesome. How will they market to you after that list? Though? Oh, man. <laughs> wow. So one thing we were talking about was before you can listen to your partner, you have to listen to yourself. And Tizima, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so one of the things I learned coaching people on sex about emotions and relationship and stuff, and then I was a complete emotional denier. So what, I know, right? What that ended up doing for me as before I learned about how much data I could get from my emotions is that I wasn't very empathetic with my partners or with other people in my life. I couldn't hear them because I couldn't hear myself. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's emotions or whether it's desires or whether it's something that is in your gut of like, I don't feel quite, or you might not even have the words for what doesn't feel right. It's really critical that before you do anything else is that you hear what's going on for you and then you seek to hear what's happening for the other person. And sex is really, it's sensitive. And people get sort of scared about that stuff. Right. But staying with your body is a really good place to be. Like if you're starting to get really overwhelmed, which can happen, it's enough in the bed or outside of the bedroom to say, I'm freaking out. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you don't have to know more than I'm freaking out. I'm having a feeling. Time out. And that's okay. And it, it may not feel sexy, but, but then again, it would feel less sexy if you felt obligated to do something or if you did something more than what you really desire to do. Because when you're with the desire of your body and you're relaxed and it feels good, everything's great. If you're less turned on, then hell yeah, you want to back off or take some time. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. Like, it's not that critical to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no race. There's no, it may feel that way sometimes, but there's not a race. And you can always slow down and come back and keep coming. You know, and even if you are not 100% sure what you're looking for, if you are fortunate enough to have an open-minded partner, you can go on that exploration together. No one says you have to do this alone. Most of the time you're doing it alone because you need to have the ability to communicate to your partner. But if you're deciding to go into more kinky activities, uh, swinging activities, poly activities, and you're not sure internally, just have a conversation with your partner and say, okay, what do we want to accomplish? What is this going to work for us? And then you'll feel if it's right for you. If you feel that a threesome is not right, you'll know internally. You may still do it for your partner or for other reasons or the excitement, but you'll know. You know, I'm a big fan of believing that the things that turn you on are internal. It's not external in. You might find something that excites you and you were not aware of, but the things that turn you on are already inside you. You just have to discover what they are. Yeah, I think part of the actual thrill underneath it, part of the power of it is not just, can I do this thing? Are we going to do this thing? Is it going to play out this way that I have planned and like hyped up in my head and I've never spoken to anyone else? I think a lot of the erotic power comes from being witnessed by a partner and Mm. being able to share that and say like, hey, I don't know if I even want to do this, but I've been thinking about this a lot, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And to, to witness your partner hear your fantasy, right? Even if you don't enact it in the way you've always thought about it, like that is... That's really leaning in. Yeah. That's the vulnerability and sexiest. Yeah, and you were talking about, like, really one of the key things is not to be outcome-driven when we're having these intense conversations. For sure, yeah. Don't attach to the outcome, attach to the process. Right, because that'll get you straight into your head and out of your body and not in the now, right? Yeah. 
Let's talk about texting. Yeah, what happens if like you're having a text conversation? Maybe it's sexy, maybe it's not. And things start going off the rails. What do you do? Define off the rails. Well, like it's starting to get muddled, muddled and ambiguous and and like you're not really sure what your partner's meaning. What do you do? Ask for clarification. Ask for clarification. <laughs> you know, because you're talking about sex, there's uh, almost an expectation of reading the person's mind, which mm. is never the case. That never goes well. So if someone says something that you take the wrong way, I always wanted a big dick. Well, wait, what's wrong with my dick? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, hey, what do you mean by that? Can you clarify what's going on? because I didn't like the way that came across. That little interaction will save you the big fight <laughs> later that evening. Right, and perhaps <laughs> assuming the best of the person you're texting with, yeah. right? Yeah, and the thing about text to remember is that there's no face in a text. Yeah, you can get an emoji, but even the emojis don't quite cover all of the emotions that you can experience and what is being said has a meaning that lands in your mind and in your awareness of like what that means. It's a really great question. What did you mean by that? Even one particular word can mean something different to you than it means to the next person or your partner or whatever. So asking for clarification and realizing I'm making this mean something that it might not mean and assuming the best or emphasizing the positive. Brandon, you said something that I loved, which was about the two biggest fears. And that's really kind of in play, I think. Everything really comes down to this. Essentially. Yeah, that the two biggest fears that we all face in being known at all to ourselves and to others is the fear of either abandonment or obliteration. That somebody will say, you're unlovable, I didn't sign up for this, what the fuck was that, and peace out. Or they're gonna come at you hard and tear you down you shouldn't be that way, how ashamed you should be, what's wrong with you, things like that. Most of us have a deep-seated fear, I would say a core fear that centers around those two things. And sex is so healing for that. The erotic is so powerfully healing for that. In a dynamic where you have this living communication. I love that you said sex as a communication because it is, it is a dialogue. It is a way of us connecting and communicating with each other sharing who we are and really revealing. And, and you were saying about like sharing your fantasy or sharing who you are. Sex is the one place that we get really naked, literally and emotionally. And we're showing the actual part. There's no hiding that you can do in sex and have it feel good. Those two don't right. go together. Right, right. And so because it's such a vulnerable space and if you get the feedback that's like positive, oh, I did, I did a good job or I'm enjoying this. We're enjoying this. This is great. It can be that healing, that validation. It's massive. It's massive. It's an opportunity. Peter, did you want to wrap us up here? I was just going to kind of add to that in terms of someone coming at you and really breaking you down. I've had that experience more than once. And something that helped is I created a form. Like if I'm playing with someone brand spanking new and we haven't really interacted that way. It's similar to your, your checklist, but it's actually an essay form. <laughs> so I give them homework before we play. And the big positive there is before we even start, the scene has been created in their head and there's very little chance of miscommunication because it's very detailed. Mm. And so there's less chance of a bad experience, someone walking away from the scene, the abandonment or breaking
taking you down. Hey, that was the worst experience I've ever had. There's less chance. And it really does put both people in the right headspace before you get naked. <laughs> Assuming the person wants to get naked, because that's actually on the form as well. It is. It's really detailed. And it goes right back to both parties or multiple parties are very comfortable with what the outcome mm. should be. Not actually where it ends up, but where it should be. You at least have a starting point where you both know where you're coming from and you can take it from there. Okay. Can I get a version of that form in a D&D character sheet format? <laughs> For reasons? Just reasons? Nice. <laughs> sure. Nice. Okay. You'll hear audience Q&A from that show in a moment. Right now, we're planning for the exclusive monthly question and answer that happens in the Afterglow, our members-only club on Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you can pose questions to our revolving group of sex experts and hear their deep, yet sassy, answers in bonus audio content. You'll also receive other goodies. Consider joining. The link is in the show notes. Or give a one-time contribution. We rely on Afterglow subscribers and one-time contributors to help us with the expenses of putting together this podcast. If you join, you'll have the warm, tingly feeling that you're helping this sex-positive podcast live on. And don't we all want a warm, tingly feeling? Thank you. And now for the audience Q&A with Brandon, Tazima, and Peter. Wow, again, we've had so many questions. So many questions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mash the first two together because they're similar, they're slightly different, and hopefully I can catch the nuance. So the first question is, I often feel like I'm empathetic in a bad way. I always put my partner's needs before my own in order to avoid awkwardness, not wanting to kill the mood, not wanting them to feel bad about doing something I don't like. What can I do to work on putting myself first without feeling mean and the other one is I often find myself unable to say no, especially if something that makes my partner feel good is uncomfortable for me. How do you start a conversation around pleasure when one partner's desires are at odds with the other? So how can I not be mean and how do I start a conversation about disparate ideas of pleasure? Boundaries. <laughs> oh, man, I can really relate to this. Boundaries are really difficult because we need them the most. And it's actually, they're really sexy because... Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to be able to say, even in the moment, and I'm a fan of saying things in the moment, like narrating your experience out loud, of like, there's a part of me that doesn't really like what's going on, or I'm not really interested, and I kind of want to say no, and that's really hard for me right now. Boom. Simple truth. Say what's so, for sure. Right. And the other part is, there's a spectrum of pleasure, and there's a spectrum of activity. So... Something might be slightly uncomfortable at one point during sex that could feel totally awesome at a different point during sex, depending on how turned on. There might be something that never feels better. And you've got to be aware and self-aware enough and care about yourself enough that you're not taking one for the team. Mm. I took a lot for the team for a while. I now, as I have put what I need first... The hope on the other side of that is that I can now negotiate with people from a level playing field rather than from a one-down position. Mm -hmm. I was going to put it into a more kinky context because that's yeah. what I do. That's, your thing. <laughs> that's what I do. One, there's a lot of power in saying no, and it is your right to say no. 
And, you know, there's a misconception and kink that when there's the top, the person who's, quote unquote, in charge, is running the show. And the reality is a good dom top, you know, big letter understands that it's really the bottom sub little letter that is really driving the whole scene process play. Because if one or both partners, but typically it's a little letter, is saying no to something, it kind of stops the scene. And if that's not respected, then you have to question, are you really playing with, being with, partnered with the right person for you? It's totally fine if it's negotiated that there's no, no, a 100% full consent and they can do whatever they want to you or the other way around. But if that's not the type of relationship you're in, it's okay to say no. Right. What should I do if my partner is being a total dick, but it's not a good time for a fight or discussion? For example, the week of the LSATs, big job interview, funeral, etc. Total dick. You're being a total dick, but it's not a good time right now. Uh, Are you role-playing with (laughs) We can go there. Say what's so. You're being a dick. (laughs) It's LSATs. Fuck you. Or you can totally pick a fight. Pick a fight. What are they going to do? My husband is over there. I threw him in the deep end every date. And he, he was like, okay, cool. Like, okay. It's the riding the relationship hard that I think we get afraid that the person is going to reject us or they're going to stop liking us or whatever. Right, so it's the two big fears Brandon was talking about, like obliteration or... Fuck it. <laughs> if they're going to leave, then let them leave. They didn't like you that much anyway. Or... or and you, can, and you can find someone who's into what you're into. So there is hope on the other side of that. Rejection in a relationship is not as hard. It's tough, but it's, it's not the end of the world. When I have turned down a partner's request for sex, she has usually taken this as a personal rejection. I have had little success in explaining it is not personal. Any suggestions about what might be helpful to say? So the thing that comes up for me, I think, across the board with all of these things is... I'll make an assertion. I'm not sure if it's foolproof, but I feel pretty strongly about it, which is you are not responsible for anyone else's pleasure. Thank you. Right on. You're never responsible for anyone else's pleasure, and they're not responsible for yours. What you are responsible for is negotiating the correct boundaries and committing to being together in process by through good open communication, saying no when you need to, saying yes when it's right, and staying connected through that. That's the responsibility. The responsibility isn't to make an outcome happen. Mm. is to commit to a, a process that you've agreed to. And so most of what happens with other people that gets kicked up when they come at us is about them. Right. right? I, would say, I would say the vast majority of it. We can be accountable for certain things we've done to participate in that, but most of it has to do with them. And they need the chance to take responsibility for that. That can also be really hot when somebody gets to that point of owning their shit. Yeah. I'm going to take a different stance. Okay, right <laughs> As usual. It is personal. It's personal when you're trying to be vulnerable, in this case with sex, with your partner and they shut you down, even if it's for the best possible reason, it's going to sting. It's going to sting. So I think the conversation should go a little bit further and go, okay, it's not happening now for reasons. Doesn't matter what the reason is. Let's either revisit this conversation. Let's schedule it for Saturday night. Let's have a date. But you just don't shut them down 
and then end the conversation is you shut them down because you have the right to say no and then find out what the other outlet is going to be. You know, over time, when you are consistently saying no to your partner, it really does erode the relationship and there's going to be a cost. Right. What that looks like could differ, but you need to make sure that that connection is maintained, even if it's postponed. Okay. If you grew up in a sex-negative household, what are your suggestions for resetting and reframing? Pretty sure all three of us, all four of us did, based on uh, our yeah, previous pretty conversations. Sure most everyone in this room did. Maybe yeah. a few other people. <laughs> Had that Possibly. experience? Yes, <laughs> hypothetically. So my encouragement, invitation, is to, one, decide that I'm a grown-ass person now, because is there anyone under 18 in here? Anyone under 21? Okay, great. You're a grown-ass person. <laughs> Fuck that shit. You're not going to run your life. And you have to kind of come at it from a teenager standpoint for a minute. <laughs> like, you got to be like, ah, you can't, you're not the boss of me. You got to have your tantrum first. That's the first step. Second step is, well, what am I interested in? And then you start exploring those things, checking them out. No one's going to bust you. I bust myself so that no one else can bust me, by the way. I just tell people now, I'm into BDSM. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I'm into it. So I just tell them now. And it feels easier now that I'm saying it because now I'm not keeping a secret. So no one's going to bust you. Your parents are not. They might be here, but... <laughs> but no, you're not going to get busted. You're a grown-ass person, okay? So it's time to get some new experiences around exploring your own sexuality, and you can only do that by starting. I mean, you are a product of your upbringing, but you are not locked into that person. I do believe your upbringing puts recordings in your head that play over and over and kind of help define who you are. It really, at some point, is up to you to replace the recordings that are doing you harm mm -hmm. and uh, change your personal narrative. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's going to affect you. The things my father and my mother have said to me will always be a whisper in the back of my head, but I know what they are, and I can change that narrative in my head. Final question. I appreciate what the panel has said about discussing things ahead of time, but that seems to me to eliminate spontaneity. Any thoughts? Definitely. <laughs> All right. So I was married for about 15 years. And, you know, when we first got together, hot and heavy, tons of sex, tons and tons. Of, I mean, a lot of sex. And I was like, oh, great. My rest of my life was going to be all about sex with my wife. And, you know, awesome. I'm doing it right. You know, in the vanilla world, it's, you know, I'm doing everything's right. Then, you know, we work, got a house, had kids and... For some reason, the sex just took a backseat. It was, oh, okay, we're too tired. Okay, we're laying there in bed. Both of us were horny in our head, but our bodies are tired. Have you ever been that way? When you, you really want to do it, but eh. <laughs> And what I would have done differently, because it really did have an ultimate negative impact, is we should have scheduled date night. We should have scheduled sex time. Lock the door at 5 a.m., and go Wednesday at 5 a.m., I don't care what's going on, but we're doing this. And it really would have made a difference. Probably still would have been divorced because there was other issues. But that, at least not, that would not have been as big a factor. Yeah. 
Yeah. And even if you're exhausted, because obviously, you know, parents' exhaustion, well, that's a whole other thing that hasn't even been explored. Like just laying in bed naked close to each other. <laughs> that can be a thing. Yeah. And I find myself now, if I have a date and I have worked a 12-hour day, I'm not going to cancel the date because I'm tired. <laughs> right. You know, so the capacity to do it's still there. It's just the will. Right. There's no such thing as spontaneous sex. There just isn't, okay? Because you planned, you put on your little outfit, you combed your hair that certain way, you planned the date, you planned the time you were going to meet them. Make that happen in your ongoing, long-term committed relationship. Make the time. Sometimes it's hard. I agree. With that tired thing, you work too many hours, work in opposite schedules, any number of things. But when you were in the beginning of your relationship, the reason NRE, new relationship energy, ends is because you're not making the effort that you used to make. You're not adding the level of interest you used to have. Mm. If you add that into even a 20-year marriage, y'all grew up together and you've been together 50 years. If you get a system update by planning something new and talking about something other than your regular ass life, you're gonna have a hotter night. You're gonna have a hotter moment. You're gonna have a hotter early morning across the table with coffee. (laughs) Right on, right on. Uh, I think riffing off of what both are saying is treat your sexuality like a resource. And that's what boundaries do. Mm. Boundaries are about protecting what's important. And so when you have good boundaries around, and, and it's a boundary to say, hey, we scheduled uh, this date night or we scheduled this night together, right? And no matter how you feel, you show up to that. You don't have to have a particular outcome, but you show up. And that's part of holding boundaries. And when you see somebody hold that with you, they're in it with you. And that in and of itself is intimacy. You can turn that into whatever you need. Cool. Thank you, panel. For more info on Brandon, Tazima, and Peter, go to our show notes. Wild and Sublime is also sponsored in part by our Sublime supporter, Chicago-based Full Color Life Therapy. Therapy for all of you at fullcolorlifetherapy.com. If you would like to be a Sublime supporter, showcasing you and your business and supporting us at the same time, contact us at info at wildandsublime.com. And now it's time for my sermon on the pubic mound. This sermon took place at the same show, May 2019 at Constellation. And for clarification, in 2019, the show's name was still Super Tasty. Enjoy. Thank you all for coming tonight. I I feel it's really wonderful being here with you all. You know, I didn't know what I was going to talk about tonight. And I thought, oh, and it was like, you know, I usually know a couple days in advance or whatever. And, you know, when I first started doing Super Tasty last year, I, I was cleaning my apartment and I came across this piece of paper. It brought back a lot of memories and I thought, wow, someday I'm going to do Sermon on the Pubic Mountain and I'm going to talk about this piece of paper. And tonight is that night. Okay, so we're talking about 20-year relationships. Last month I was talking about, you know, getting divorced after a 20-year marriage. And, you know, I was put out into the world again as like a newly minted single person. And I started, I got involved with someone like right away, like immediately, you know, and what ended up happening was I started having profound levels of anxiety, the likes of which I haven't had in years. And it really frightened me. And so when I was with this person, you know, he would say something offhandedly and I would get profoundly triggered, but you would never know it if you were with me. 
because I'm an actor. <laughs> and I also have really good defense mechanisms built in for childhood. From childhood, when you just impassive face, impassive face when confronting anything in the family. And so I would melt down inside. And so, you know, we were talking about communication. And it's hard to even get to the communication place if you can't even find yourself inside your anxiety. And there was nothing wrong with this guy. I mean, he wasn't saying anything crazy. It was just like I would just have these countless amounts of anxiety. And so I went to a healthcare professional, mental healthcare professional, and we worked out this little piece of paper that I kept in my wallet. And when the guy I was seeing would go out of the room or go to the bathroom or like, and I'd be triggered, I would pull this motherfucking piece of paper out and I would read it. And because it was a point by point thing for me to keep my sanity. And I just want to share it with you tonight, not to be like me and my crap, but more like that the process sometimes it takes because we're giving a lot of information about how to make your life better and how to have better sex. But it's, it can be a real micro-movement kind of thing. And I don't want anyone to get fucking discouraged about the journey it sometimes takes to get to the point where you can say, hey, can you eat me out? I'd really like that. Or, hey, give me a blowjob. I mean, or, hey, don't do that. I don't want to do that tonight. Like, it takes a lot of effort sometimes. And so the p- first thing, and this is so tattered and worn, but it was so important. One, I'm triggered. Just, just realizing, like, I'm triggered. Two, why? What message is lurching to the forefront? Three, what happened back then? What's going on right now from then? I wrote, no voice, not seen, no power, decisions being made for me, right? Four, how do I help myself? And then there was the menu options. Talk to him now. Talk to him later. Process with myself later. Find someone else to process with. Be here now. The next one, five. Because only you can give yourself your undivided attention and regard. Only I can give me undivided attention and regard. I'm interested in myself more than anybody else. It's me. That's the way it should be. There's no one else that can be as interested in me as I'm interested in me because I'm fucking in this body living this life. So to put it on someone else is bullshit. Six, he can help me celebrate my life, but he's not the sole answer. Only I am. Only I am because seven, you're wonderful as you are right now. You're wonderful as you are right now. I don't need to be fixed. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need him or you or, uh, so this is a long list. And sometimes I was just so triggered. I'd be like, ah, ah. but something would shift. And there's a, there's a happy finale to this story, actually. I broke up with this person because it was time to. And, but I was able to, in the wrap-up, say joyfully 
who I was without fear. Like, this is what I want. And he's like, yeah, I can't give that to you. I'm like, okay, it's okay. And the other happy part of the story is I don't, I don't have this anymore. Like, I don't have to do this anymore. Like, because I kept practicing. I practiced next and the next person I dated. And then the next person, or with my friends, I would just, like, get back to myself. And it got easier. It got so much easier. And I'm not saying I don't ever get triggered. I get triggered like everyone else. But it's like I've started climbing out of this place. And now I don't have to have this impassive mask when someone's saying something where I'm like, it's cool. Everything's cool. You're saying something that's triggering the shit out of me, but it's cool. And now I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll do something, you know? <laughs> so I just wanted to say that. Thank you for listening. And thank you all for coming. And hang around afterwards. Let's all chat. Have a drink. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you know someone who might be interested in this episode, send it to them. And please, if you like what you heard, give us a nice review on your podcast app. I'd like to thank Wild and Sublime associate producer Julia Williams and design guru Jean-Francois Gervais. Theme music by David Ben Porat. Our media sponsor is Rebellious Magazine, feminist media at rebelliousmagazine.com. Follow us on social media at Wild and Sublime and sign up for newsletters at wildandsublime.com. Thank you.